All right, folks, welcome to my birthday celebration. As I release this on August 6th at about 11 o'clock. Or if you didn't catch it when it immediately dropped, that means it's already my birthday and I'm 34 years old. So thank you for the happy birthday wishes all over Twitter, all over Facebook. I said one thing, I was looking at things and I said, you know what? I want to reflect on this year. 33 has been a year like no other. And primarily is because more than half of that time happened in 2020. And I sat back and I said, but the end of 2019 was epic to say the least. So I'm going to take time to sit here and just reflect on the blessings that I've had this year, but also talk about some of the adversities I had to overcome and the idea is the hope is the hope that I can inspire somebody and let everybody know, you know, no, I'm not perfect. No, it wasn't an easy year for me, but it was also, it wasn't the hardest year either. So, um, take back sit back and relax let's have a conversation i turned 33 in florida actually the national association of black journalists was holding the conference and when every year when they release the dates you know i always look at it okay when is nabj my first year was 2013 and I remember the dates being something like July 31st to August 4th. And I went with my Morgan State family. And I remember we was down there. We celebrated. I believe her name was Janae. We celebrated her birthday because it was that like August 3rd or something. And somebody was like, oh, Brian, we didn't know your birthday was coming up. You know, we could celebrate yours. And I said, no, nah, no, nah, it's her day. Well, this year, it fell right on my birthday. And, of course, you know, I was happy. I was like, oh, man, Miami for my birthday? How much better can it get? The only sad part is I wouldn't be with my kids. But, nonetheless, <laughs> I was in Miami, baby. So, it was really cool. I went there, you know, I walked around at not gonna lie i took a lot of selfies i said look everybody i see y'all owe me a birthday selfie if you can go right on my instagram at brian h waters you'll see that and i really you know i felt a lot of love and it was a great time you know i was going to the sessions the um career development sessions because i really didn't go to the job fair except just the network i wasn't looking for a job but i always go to network and tell people about the stuff that we do at my current job at Johns Hopkins. But I went there and, um, you know, like I said, I got a chance to see a lot of people and I got so much love. And I even got my headshot, which I use primarily on a lot of my social media platforms because the Tango uh, company, they always do the coolest headshots. And I was like, I got to get one of those. Every year I see people with them. I didn't get a chance to get them in, um, what was it, New Orleans, 
And I didn't go to Detroit. So I was like, I was determined. I, I believe the first time they did them was in Washington, D.C. So I got my head shot. I'm like, man, I'm good. You know, you had to do an interview. So I did the interview. You know, I told them, hey, this is what I do. But I also got some advice on how to make some of the projects I was working on at my current job even better. And like I said, I mean, NABJ, the whole experience was phenomenal. Um, that night, we partied on a boat. So, yeah, I'm celebrating my birthday number 33 on a boat. And it was just so much fun. <laughs> it was also open bar. Now, of course, they didn't have, you know, Hennessy and Patron, but it was still open bar. And then, you know, the next few days was great. I mean, it was NABJ. So you can imagine this was the first year, however, I was able to go to almost a party every night. You know, you always look at, OK, what's what's going on during the day and what's going on in the evening? Well, Wednesday night, I knew it was the boat party. Thursday, I wasn't planning on going to a party, but the Wall Street Journal had this new program with my um, my school, Morgan State University. So a few of the students invited me and. The shout out to the great Dwayne Wickham. He also invited me, and he said, "You know, come on." I said, "Well, okay." And it was free food. Always one thing about conferences: the more free food you can find, the better. Trust me on that one, folks. Trust me. So we went there. We got free food. Then we found out about that party that Thursday night. So we went. It was tight trying to get in there. I remember, like, it was crazy, unorganized. But what was cool, we saw Roland Martin dancing on stage and all that. Saw Uncle Luke. Uh, everybody knows he is Miami. So we got a chance to see him. And then, um, you know, Friday night was the Sports Task Force party. That was in the American Airlines Arena, the same place that the Miami Heat play. So, of course, that was great. And so I had an opportunity, you know, just to really enjoy myself. But I also was able to make those connections. I was able to speak to reporters, crime reporters, letting them know, hey, at Johns Hopkins, we have people who are trying to combat gun violence from the medical standpoint. We have gun violence survivors, you know, letting people know about the basic science work, how we've been able to make basic sciences cool. So that part was really, that's what I love about NABJ because I feel, I always felt the responsibility to let the black journalists know, hey, you're reporting on medicine, you're reporting on health, come to me, I got you, I can put you in contact with these great people, my great colleagues. So that was cool. Oh, got to talk about that Saturday before we move on. That Saturday, we had an opportunity to go to my, I went to my first uh, big three basketball game. Yes, Ice Cube, he had a online session, I mean, a chat with a conversation. That's the one I'm looking for. A conversation with Jamel Hill. They gave away free tickets, free media credentials. I didn't do the credentials. My wife was there, so... You know, I didn't want to try to be a media person. I wasn't writing a story, you know. Sometimes when you've done it already, you're not pressed, to be honest with you. So I didn't do the media part, but I definitely went to the game. Nate Robinson hit the game-winning shot. That was cool. Got it. Got the video. Got to tweet that out. As a matter of fact, I might post that later. 
so, you know, the Big Three experience, I tell anybody, if you like basketball, definitely check out a Big Three game. It's it's pretty much what we do outside. Hey, we got three people. We got six people out here. Let's hoop three on three. So that was cool. Then, you know, came back to work and we go back, go down to about three weeks later, two and a half, three weeks later. Of course, during NABJ, you keep in contact with people. You meet so many new people. Some of them you you may not keep in contact with. But for the most part, with the evolution of group chats, you tend to stay connected. And I remember was working on this award documentary thing, project. And I get a text. I'm always looking at my phone. So in between moving from one area to the next, I look in the men of NABJ group and I said, Hey y'all, our brother Chris Edwards got killed last night. And I was like, wait, what? Now, Chris and I met via Wonder Group Chats in 2018. I wasn't going to NABJ in Detroit, but he was. So we connected. I always like to talk to people about NABJ, about how to navigate the conference what to expect because i know for me it wasn't the easiest but i wanted to talk to him and be like hey you know anybody who you know had advice you know had questions i could provide that advice because one of the things about this organization and the business one minute you're a quote-unquote rookie the next minute you're og (laughs) it just is what it is you know so when we got to miami the first time I was, it was the first time I actually got a chance to meet him. And, you know, we had talked a couple of times in group chat. He told me he was about to start a podcast. Um, and, you know, I was like, all right, cool. You know, this is what you might want to look into. This is what you need, etc. So, you know, Miami, bam, show love. Hey, man, nice to finally meet you. We took a picture, I think, at one of the parties. And then find out he had, him and his sister had been killed um, by their mother. It was a murder-suicide, and it was painful. You know, you just saw somebody a few weeks ago, the whole family's together, and then next thing you know, gone. And it just shows you life is precious. I was with my mentee, good, you know, my little brother, Andrew Golden. And Andrew is, I mean, a a phenomenal up-and-coming journalist, and I don't even know if you call him up and coming anymore. He's just, he's still a student, but he's a student of the game. Uh, I would say the next big thing. Andrew interned with us. And he and I developed a bond really quickly, similar backgrounds. And when I mentioned it, he was like, hold on. So he was literally about to text Chris's sister. He's like, I think that's my friend's brother. And then boom, he found out his friend was also in a part of it you know she was also killed so that was very very tough very tough day later that night i had an audition and this is where you know i'm gonna be full transparent i've been struggling for the past few years and wanting to play drums again since moving back to baltimore in 2015 i have been trying to play drums every sunday now my home church is Christian Memorial Church. And I was like, ah, well, I don't want to go back there because I wasn't really liking 
the what where the church was at leadership you know where the the pastor's lack of vision i wasn't like feeling that at all so i didn't go um and uh you know i would go back and visit but i was nah i'm not going there so i decided you know i was looking around i auditioned or you know i filled in here and there i talked to one guy but i really wasn't feeling it to be honest with you and just certain things i just red flags was going off so i decided not to go back not to go there ended up joining the church of redeemed of the lord and stayed there for about three years uh, two and a half years actually and actually it was a great time but the reason it was just so many reasons so ended up moving on and i was like man you know i want to play drums now the reason why i play church at crl because i would join the media team and social media and they had a bunch of drummers but you know it's 2019 i'm like you know what i'm not done yet that's what i kept thinking i'm not done yet so i go audition for this church i think the audition went well i went to speak to you know did the guy he asked me like a couple of my favorite songs it was a lot of contemporary stuff now i've been playing gospel quartet since you know, for a group since I was 18, when I first learned how to play drums, my father uh, wanted me to play on quartet principles. That's staying in the pocket. So I've been playing that. And when I decided that was, you know, that was the style I played. But, you know, I get to the audition. I think it went well. And then afterwards, he said, you know, I don't think this is a good fit. I said, all right. It was disappointing. I remember, never forget, raining at night. I'm already feeling bad, you know, because my friend had found out my friend died earlier that day. So it was just a rough day. And to add on to that, later on, my daggone basement was flooded because it was raining so hard. So, yeah, that wasn't a good day at all. But, you know, I realized, hey, that position wasn't for me couple weeks later uh shout out to my boy leo i got a position working with the uh union um and i would it was the uh, ibew where i would go to games and work on the sidelines you know helping out with the production of it and that was cool because i was like well you know I, I didn't get picked every game but I was like, well, if I go there, then obviously going to, I wouldn't have been able to do the church job. And so, and to, to be honest with you, that job paid more than what they was paying in church. Now, I was not trying, I was trying to get back into church. For I was always going to, I'm always going to go to church. But I was still, you know, I, being real, that job paid more. But, you know, it is what it is. You know, the, that first job was cool you know being there it's the ravens uh at coming into the game they were they had just lost to the chiefs so they were two and one it's the first time i get to see lamar jackson but they ended up losing the game which really sucked because i remember you remember last year they blew out the miami dolphins in game one and then all of a sudden everybody's like oh man you know super bowl then the next couple of games they wasn't scoring as much points and everybody said see y'all got hyped up over game one and xyz 
but that it was, it was still a cool experience. It was a lot, you know. You gotta lift big cameras. Afterwards, so my job that day was just to be sort of a runner and hold the light. So when the broadcasters on the field, there's somebody holding a light to make sure the light is even. That's what I was doing. It was really cool. It was really fun, and it wasn't cold yet, but it was so cool to be able to see, be down there on the ground during the game. And I hadn't done that since Fox Sports 1340 when I covered the Washington football team's last home playoff game against the Green Bay Packers. But it was cold that night. Um, So that was pretty cool. I also got to travel a lot. My first time traveling at the age of 33 was going to New Orleans for the Otolaryngology Conference. Got to go down there, and I really didn't do, you know, they we couldn't really live tweet the way we wanted to, so we was able to get a lot of videos. Then afterwards, really take advantage of the New Orleans food, and it's September. It's hot. Was that August? It might have been the end of August. Um... It was hot, but not unbearable. And, you know, in the evening, you know, I mean, you still wearing shorts and stuff. So, but I always say, like, the New Orleans food is amazing. And I was at the JW Marriott. And that was also the first time I got to have New Orleans um, version of Popeye's chicken, which I have to say, it's not much of a difference than anywhere else. I thought it would be, but it wasn't. <laughs> um so that was cool. You know, moving on now. Around this time, and you know, I mentioned some things about my job. Around this time we're preparing for my manager, Dr. Audrey Wong, to leave us and make the next take the next step in her career. Um she left, she was our media relations. I guess director <laughs> I don't know the formal title but I believe she was media relations research and education director and she would go down to the University of Texas Southwest to become senior VP and it was rough that was so she made she told us in July we found out and it was one of those moments where you know you saw everybody crying or just shedding a tear because when I tell you now, if you listen to the very first episode where I go back to my story, I'll just summarize it. She was my 11th grade IB biology teacher. So if you're familiar with honors programs, think honors times two. That's IB, inter baccalaureate. And as that class was a class I had no business taking, my dad tried to tell me it would be easier to take that than physics which I got a 90 in physics but I failed her class went to Saturday school 13 years later I got the job in media relations at Johns Hopkins and I found out that she was the manager I was like oh wow and when I tell you the opportunities that I've had because of her so just to summarize things I've been able to have two covers, two of my photos on the cover of magazines, as I have those both hanging in my basement. Uh, 
she wrote because my position was a contract position. When I went to purchase my home, she wrote a letter to the realtor, I mean, to the um, lender. That right there should automatically let you know how much she means. And still to this day, we still talk. Um, I'm going to try to get her on a podcast. That would be a fun interview. <laughs> uh, but man, you know, finding out she was leaving was tough. And she would leave in October. And I remember just that last, that we had a party to celebrate. It was a Thursday. Yeah, it was a Thursday because by then she wasn't working Fridays anymore. And, you know, it was fun. It was so much fun. You saw how many uh, respected doctors and researchers, saw many respected doctors and researchers love her. Um, Andrew, who I mentioned earlier, was a, um, he had gone back to school at Northwestern and we FaceTime him in. His mom is one of the top doctors at the hospital and now works in the uh, Office of Diversity. Um, and she spoke highly of Audrey. So that was tough, her leaving for Texas. And then, as fate would have it, that Monday, that very next Monday, something she had been preparing the team for years. And for me, the fourth year preparation, the Nobel Prize. What they, we did was we had a plan in order this is what we will do if one of our doctors become the Nobel Prize winner. And part of that consisted of getting up at six in the, uh, 5.30 in the morning to get the call, doing a phone train, calling the next person, and then getting right to work, putting together press kits, and then getting ready to go set up the press conference. Well, remember I said four years that I've been there, or well, fourth time? The first year, I go to sleep. I go to sleep at 10 o'clock. I never forget because it was the Steelers and the Chiefs playing. I was like, no, I can't watch this game. I got to go to sleep. The next year, hmm, I go to sleep somewhat. The following year, <laughs> I kind of stay up, but I don't. This year, psh, please. <laughs> I ain't going to sleep. What you mean? We ain't going to win it. You know, we've been through this before. So, and I believe WWE had a pay-per-view that night, the day before. So, what does Brian H. Waters does? Brian H. Waters says, hey, I'm going to watch the pay-per-view, and I'm going to do a whole post-show. So, if you know anything about me, you know that not only do I record and edit and post my show, but I do it all right away. You won't see me... Recording a wrestling show that is A wrestling show and editing it later With this podcast Yeah So as I record the show I um, Go to bed 5.30 in the morning I hear my phone vibrate My wife says oh, Morning She's like, what's that I said god dog it we don't want Because the protocol was If we win we get a phone call If we don't we just get an email say stand down And Shout out to my colleague, friend, Vanessa. She called and a ball of energy. Good morning. Guess what? Greg Zemenza won the Nobel Prize. I said, all right, let's go. So I had to call 
my colleague Sarah let her know, and she was like, I was like, shut up. So I remember I got up, I get right, you know, get cleaned up, washed up, situated, and then I go right down to the office. And I went and got me a coffee, like, let's do this. And that was a fun day. But it was also bittersweet because it was so it was the first official day without Audrey. But we had finally won something she had prepared us for and i was like man you know she's she's supposed to be a part of this um you know it was only right she was supposed to be a part of this and i I just couldn't just couldn't believe it man i really couldn't uh i've just and you know we we got there and it was phenomenal he was great we all got selfies and group photos with him and I was like wow you know I got a chance to produce some social media content for a Nobel Prize now I've tweeted the World Series I've tweeted Wrestlemania I've tweeted the NBA Finals I've tweeted the Super Bowl but it was just something different about the Nobel Prize because not everybody can say they understand what the Nobel Prize is no matter how prestigious this award is so that was like wow and you you take you step back because now you you know we're in a situation we don't know okay what's the direction we're going but to see the way Audrey and Marin um, I mean excuse me Vanessa and Marin who are the leaders and the driving force to see the way things was under their watch was phenomenal so I have to say that, but I'm going to go ahead and take a quick break. Um, and I'm going to take a, as they say, you know, the sponsorship. This show is sponsored by the wrestling realm. Make sure you subscribe to the wrestling realm on YouTube. The show is produced and also hosted by the real Dwayne Allen and Brian H. Waters. It is the show for those of superior wrestling intellect, as we are the leaders of the wrestling fan revolution. All right, I'm back. Make sure you subscribe to the wrestling realm. Speaking of wrestling, two things did happen (laughs) at 33 earlier in, I guess we say the first quarter that was um, on Labor Day. WWE came to my job and I don't work holidays at all, but WWE was coming to visit some uh, children. And of course, who knows more about the WWE in my department than me? So they asked me, did I want to work? Did you think the answer would be no? (laughs) So in there, if you're a wrestling fan, you know, I got a chance to meet Ricochet, Alexa Bliss, Nikki Cross, and as we record, the current WWE Universal Champion, Braun Strowman. He was actually a tag team champion at the time. And it was cool. You know, you see, you know, I talked to the guy who worked at WWE, and he taught, he does a lot of the work with children and special needs. And you see how these wrestlers, these larger-than-life characters, act around these children. It was amazing. And we got a chance to walk around the um, we got a chance to walk around the hospital and you see them give belts to the kids. 
And it made me proud to be a wrestling fan to see how they acted. And Braun said it was the best part of the gig. Out of all the things about the job, that is the best part. The part in being being able to give back. So I, and then that night, they so they gave me tickets. You know, they told me you know they had tickets for the um, families. They knew some of the families probably wouldn't go. The guy told me, "Go ahead, get you some tickets." So I got three. And shout out to my friend Blake. You'll hear more about him later. He got he had three tickets. So we're trying to figure out who wants to go to wrestling for free. And we could not find six people. We ended up, I think it was like five of us, four or five of us that went. Yeah, me, Blake, Tehran, D, my cousin Mike, and D's um girlfriend's son. So that was fun. But it was just weird. He was like, man, this is 2019 and we can't give away wrestling tickets. Now, had this been 1999, oh, that would have been easy. I mean, you're talking Stone Cold, The Rock, Undertaker. Boom, it would have been easy to get rid of those tickets. So we laugh about that. Like, man, we couldn't. We really couldn't get rid of those tickets. And it was a good show. That night, Bailey made her heel turn. And I really, it was something I had been waiting for. I called for. And then, boom, it happened. To be there. It's nothing like when you see stuff like that in person. Next, the next month, AEW All Elite Wrestling had their debut show. Now, let me tell y'all about this. The tickets go on sale sometime around June or July, and I was thinking about it. Maybe, maybe not. Decided, okay, I'm going. Right. I buy the tickets. I get online, and you gotta like dang on there fight <laughs> for the ticket sale. I mean, you know, trying to buy the tickets. I get my ticket. I asked a few friends, nobody wanted to go. So I thought, all right, buy a ticket by myself, whatever. So get my ticket. Then we fast forward to the day of the show. Because I wanted to be a history. First AEW Dynamite. The first ever. I wanted to be there. It was in DC. So we get there. And I see my good brother Corey. Now Corey goes to all the wrestling shows. And I knew we were both buying our tickets the same day. We saw it in the same section. He tells me he upgraded. I said, what? I look online and floor seats were down going for like 40 or 50 bucks. And I was like, are you kidding me? And I'm debating. Do I buy a seat? Do I? I was like, you know, and I just got to point felt like it. And had I known, though, and what happened was, so the day the tickets came out, they were, you know, standard price, 25, 30, 40, 50, 100, whatever. Later on in that day, People started reselling them on eBay and they skyrocketed. So then Ticketmaster skyrocketed. So I'm thinking, all right, good. I'm glad I got mine already. I ain't got to worry about it. Well, the whole time, if I'd have known that the month before the show that everything went down, I would have been able to sit on the floor for free. I mean, not free, but maybe 50 or 60 bucks. And I talked to the people who were sitting next to me and they was like, oh, yeah, I paid $19 for these seats. And it was like our first seats we had were all the way in the hundreds. Now, my, I mean, um, in the, uh, the Raptors. Now, I was in about the 100s. I had really good seats. So that was another thing because I had a great view directly across from the stage. So it wasn't a loss, but still. I was like, man, oh, man. It was a good show. I got a chance to see um, my good friend Allie, who's known. Well, yeah, Allie. I mean, I'm not going to release her shoot name. But I got a chance to see her. After the show, first time I saw her in about a few years when we was working together at um, a promotion up in New Jersey. So that was cool. 
Um, and then, you know, I'm not really a big Halloween person, but I do think, you know, this year, this is the second year we have our house, right? And my wife is like, did you get candy? I said, no, did you? No, I don't know. I think actually she did. Um, but nonetheless, I remember we couldn't give it away. And I was like, oh, goodness gracious. And I was like, well, that sucks. <laughs> you know, but, um, you know, we fast forward to November. So as we get into November, one thing that we always get ready for is the City Poly game. Anybody in Baltimore knows the significance of that game. You have some people who didn't go to either school who are really some haters. However, for those of us, I'm a city college graduate, it's a big deal. It's our Super Bowl. If you ask somebody from city, would you rather see the football team win the state championship or beat Polly that year? I almost guarantee you they will say beat Polly. And they might not because the state championship that is awesome, but those that rivalry with Polly carries on. Case in point, my pastor is a Polly grad. I'm a city grad. When I wear my ring, there's always a little bit of chatter. But we're good from all the way up until October. When October comes, it's when you really see the rivalry get intense. So this year, I've been doing some work with my good brother, TJ. TJ Pay, owner of Brainstream Media, he has brought me on to shoot some games with him. And I have been doing that throughout the season. But we get into the City Poly game. And because of that game, you know, he he's working on his great documentary, which I've been logging a lot of the content for. And with that, I was able to go to the game and actually be in the press box. So I'm getting to the game early. You know, this is a non-payday. Non it's an off day, but I don't have to pay to get in because I'm still just getting footage for the documentary and, you know, it's the help out. So I go to the game early, about 11 o'clock, get on the field, and I'm getting footage. I see Polly students sitting up there talking trash, and I got my brainstream media shirt on. But I'm still showing like, oh, don't. I still got my city college button on. I got my ring on. And shout out to my boy, Demars Dye, one I mentioned earlier, D. He's also the owner of the Dye Sporting Network, where he covers a lot of the high school football games. And this was a game he covered. And in that game, D asked me to do something that I was highly honored to do. It was a dream come true. He asked me to jump on color commentary. Now, it was 10th grade at Baltimore City College when I decided that I wanted to be a sports analyst. I wanted to get into the media business and to be able to call that game. Now, obviously, D is D's network and he knows I'm a city grad. D went to Mervo. He didn't mind that I could be biased. He let me do color commentary. And he allowed me to just straight up be a 100% fan, 
even though I'm still watching the game from the press box, I'm calling what I'm seeing on the field. And there was times I stepped off. Shout out to my boy Kyle Andrews, who's also there. Kyle is somebody, when I worked with Fox, he was my last recruit, and I really wish I could have got a chance to work with Kyle. And I know I'll pass across down the line, but he's just a phenomenal journalist. That's why he is a reporter with the Baltimore Sun. But I can't stress how great of a writer he is. I actually have his first article in print in my house waiting for the next time I see him for him to sign it so Kyle would take over some parts and I called some of the game but I mean it was just a phenomenal experience and then what made this game so important the series was tied now I believe we were trailing by six to eight games when I was at City but now the series is tied and we had this whole week me and my wife went to the documentary screening where it was like a preview um, you know, we really, we went out and got merch. She has a city college jacket. I got the city, uh, shirt, got a couple shirts. So we're living all this up. And then in the end, the Baltimore city college Knights pulled out the win, making it, I want to say it was eight straight wins in a row to take the lead in the series. And it was something you just never think you would see when you because you know that when you look at the history, it's a the rivalry is streaky. Polly went on a 12, I believe it was a 12, 13 game win streak in the mid like 80s. Um, City would go on their win streak and now they're on the win streak. Of course, we don't never win them. We want to hold on to this. So that was pretty awesome. November, man, those was I was in the air. And then from, I had to go to Atlanta. I went to Atlanta for about, I feel like six days. And down there, we was for a, I forgot the name of the conference. But Thoracic Cert, no, that wasn't it. <laughs> but yeah, I was, I was in Atlanta for six days. And I remember being able, you know, it was really cool. We kind of got there a couple of days early because the conference, plan wasn't so clear so i you know i got a chance to eat good food also you know see the city got a chance to get on a big ferris wheel uh me and my manager marin the coolest thing shout out to my friend callie she was able to get us tickets to the hawks game and when we went to the hawks game we really got a chance to see um not only vince carter in his final year trey young up and coming star but also get a tour around the stadium i mean the arena and i said man that's why hawks fans aren't so loud because they got all this i mean killer mike has a barber shop there they had uh where you could play top golf there's so much stuff if you ever get a chance to go to atlanta go to their arena it was also the same weekend, if I'm not mistaken, when LSU beat Alabama. Uh, but, yeah, the food down there was obviously amazing. I got a chance to see uh, my good friend, Brianna Dahlquist, who's, uh, you know, my NABJ sister. We got a chance to catch up. We watched the uh, Monday night football game that weekend. And then right afterwards, I came home for a couple of days, and then boom, uh, me and my friend Vanessa McMains, we went to uh, – Philadelphia and this was cool this was a very fun trip uh it was the 
AHA, American Heart Association, that I do remember. This was, if if I had to say a Super Bowl, the AHA would be the Super Bowl because the way they put together their conferences, they have a high emphasis on social media. They just get it. American Heart Association really gets it. And we produce so many videos and so many tweets when we were up there. And I mean, these conferences are long days sometimes. I'm talking sometimes getting up at nine. I mean, shoot, getting up at seven for a nine o'clock session, not finishing till four or five. That'd be long days. Atlanta, we were walking everywhere because it was that close. But then I remember the last couple of days, it was freezing. Philly, we got on a bus, but the bus was, um, you had to wait for it. And then we drove and I got a chance to see my fab five sister Renee while I was there as well. We had dinner, her, Vanessa and I, that Saturday night. Um, But funny story, Friday night, we go to SmackDown and Corey has said to me, because Corey goes like all the games. And I was like, I realized I said, no, what I was texting him about if he was going to the uh, because he's an Eagles fan. And he's an Eagles ticket holder. So I said, hey, are you going to be in Philly? Because I'm going to be up there. We can maybe, you know, we can link up the day before, whatever. And he said, well, I'm going to be up there Friday for SmackDown. So I'm like, wait a minute, SmackDown. I was like, wow. So on the ride up, I said to Vanessa, she was like, hey, I want to go to the Mutter Museum. I was like, okay. She said, yeah, we're going to be up here early. So I want to know if you want to go to the Mutter Museum. And that's a museum where... I think I said that right. I know she'll correct me if I didn't. But it's basically a museum, like all medical like diseases. You see um, the way the different bones and different. It's so much. I don't even want to mess up. But <clears throat> excuse me. We went to the museum. And as we were there, you know, I got to see a lot of cool stuff. I know it's something that like my son would enjoy. He loves science. So I know that was, I was like, I got to bring him here. But he probably would be also grossed out by some of the stuff, too, just because he can be that way. But it was cool. And then that night we went to SmackDown. Now, the first thing that happened, Vanessa, this is her first ever WWE show. And she looks around and says, wow, Brian, you're not the only black guy that likes wrestling. And I was like, uh, no. And she was texting her husband and she's like, you're about to go to wrestling. And he was laughing about it. And she just couldn't believe it. And then we ended up uh, I'm there. And then all of a sudden, I see my friend Mia Yim makes her debut on SmackDown. And I was like, wow, like I'm here for her SmackDown debut. Somebody, you know, I rode in the car with the shows, watched on the indies, watched the grind. And to see that was phenomenal, man, to be there in person. And I, you know, I sent her to like the screenshot i mean sent her the picture she's like well i'm glad you were here and then we went to um you know and that night was the first time i got a chance to see the fiend so i've been going to enough wrestling shows that a lot of times they have what they call dark matches matches that's just for the crowd that's there really for the kids this you know make you feel like you got a match that nobody else got and they had the fiend versus daniel bryan I was like, oh well, daniel bryan's my guy and i haven't seen him wrestle in a while but all right i'm gonna stay 
So, so I ended up staying, and it was cool getting to see the Fiend's entrance. And mind you, he's a new character at this time. He hasn't won the championship yet, so that was cool. And then that Monday, no, Sunday, we ate at the hotel because the Patriots were playing the Eagles. And due to that game, it was going to be a lot of traffic. So after the conference, we were like, you know what, let's just eat at the hotel. Food was overpriced and not good. Stay at the Renaissance Hotel. <laughs> and um, so we stayed there. And at that time, we, yeah, at that time, we ended up eating. And we see some guy with, like, spiky hair. Clearly looks like a rock and roll star. And I was like, hmm, he must be famous. Just, you know. And Vanessa looks up. She said, oh, my goodness, Tool's in town. Who's Tool? There's a band. So you want to go? And I'm like, oh, okay. She's like, come on, you got to go with me. I can't go to the concert by myself. All right, cool. You went to wrestling with me? I'll go to the concert. It's cool. You know, fair trade-off. Like I said, remember when I said in the beginning, um, you uh, probably didn't say it on this show, but when you work with people, essentially become family. Like, I've been at Hopkins for four years, and I've spent so much time with my team. You know, Vanessa was there before I was so you know there's a a lot there's a, a true friendship that has been built so we go to the concert and I was like wow okay you know I love music that's one thing if anybody knows I love music I love live music so I might have been the only black person no I wasn't one of five black people there but I think I didn't feel uncomfortable and probably helped because this is in November and it wasn't in May of 2020 but I did feel it was the music was just good. I was like, oh, okay, you know. And I was in there jamming. I remember like when they let us do it because they didn't want you using your phones. But the last song he allowed people to do it, and I was like, I got to record this because, you know, this is just the way the presentation was. And to see the guy switch guitars, and my dad's a bass and lead guitarist. So I had to tell him, I was like, hey, you know, they like switch guitars on every song. Like, Imagine being able to say, hey, here, all right, take this guitar, use this one. So that was cool. And, you know, Thanksgiving was cool this year, too. It was my first Thanksgiving at my sister's house. She just got married, my baby sister, Megan, her and Terrell, her husband. They hosted Thanksgiving. And I did something that I didn't think I would ever do. I went shopping on Thanksgiving night after dinner. On my way home, I said, well, let me stop at Best Buy. And I went, walked around. I think I got those I got earbuds that night. Maybe not. Then the next, then I went there, went to Target. And then I also went to the mall. I did get some Jordans, though. And the reason why I said I never thought I would do that, because when I worked at Best Buy, I remember when things shifted from, when Black Friday shifted from 5 p.m., to tw- I mean, 5 a.m. to 12 a.m. And remember being heated about it. I, 5 a.m. was cool. It was fun. Getting up, it was a special day. But now you're making it at midnight, so it's hard to enjoy Thanksgiving. See, before we would eat and then go to sleep at 8, so you can get up, or well, maybe 9, but you get up early. But now I got to eat to get up at midnight. I kind of got to eat like at 2 or 3 o'clock, go to sleep. And I was, you know, didn't like it. 
I had to do it one year. The next year, they say, you just come in at three. Because I was working the phones. And they realized when they were doing the 12 o'clock schedule, people were, there was a rush around 12 to about two. Three to five, you didn't have anybody. So, and those, your schedule was a 12-hour shift. So, if you were doing the store open at five, you worked 3.30 to 3.30. If the store opened at 12, you had to work pretty much 11 to 11. So, that was real frustrating, man. Uh, but I went and I couldn't believe it. I actually I was like, man, I'm going shopping. I was like, well, it's the wrong thing to think. But I was like, if they got to work, I might as well come in. <laughs> so that was the thing in itself. Um, December, we go to the NFL again. I got a chance to be there in person for one of Lamar Jackson's greatest games. I worked on the sidelines, and I got a chance to work with uh, award-winning journalist, you may have heard of her, Erin Andrews, and she was phenomenal. She didn't treat me like she was a superstar, and I was supposed to just hold the light, and it better be perfect, none of that. No, we talked about the game. If I said, hey, you know, these are the Ravens' tendencies, she would listen. Funny story about that night. If you remember the game for my sports fans out there, Lamar Jackson gets the ball. He runs the ball for the record. They don't tell the fans. You, the viewers at home knew, but they couldn't tell the fans because they didn't want to mess up, you know, the play. They end up scoring, but they just, you know, had the ball normally. And I'm sitting there watching. I said to Aaron, I said, Aaron, they never took the ball. I know they want to get the ball because he just broke Michael Vick's rushing record for a quarterback. So she tells the Ravens PR people and they get it. And I was like, man, imagine if, you know, I never said nothing and that Hall of Fame, that ball might not have made it to the Hall of Fame. So that was pretty cool. Um, and he ended up scoring five touchdowns that night. Uh, the clip with him and Mark Jackson, I mean, Mark Ingram, where they celebrate in post field. I'm the one that's lighting them up so they could see everything. Before we get to December, I'm going to take another break. Folks, make sure you check out the series Wrestling for the Culture. It's where we discuss the wrestlers of color and we hold special conversations such as the racial injustices in professional wrestling. Simply subscribe to the YouTube channel. Turn on the bell notification and there's a playlist called Wrestling for the Culture and you can check out everything and make sure you drop a five star rating on the Apple podcast platform. December was a challenging month, sort of. December was a challenging month, Um, but. It was a month I returned to my home church, Christian Memorial. Now, I mentioned earlier when I moved back to Baltimore, I was deciding whether trying to figure out if I wanted to go back. I was also having a desire to play drums. Well, I found out that in March, um, I should say the past June, somewhere around June, they had relieved the uh, previous pastor had retired and there's a lot of love loss between us two uh, to be straight up with you 
he was a family friend and you know he and i just there was a lot of disagreements i don't know some people may be listening to the show and they may wonder i might tell that story one day maybe i won't but i won't do it right now just know there was a lot of love lost that's the reason why i didn't go back well they got a new pastor somebody from the outside and i met him at my sister's wedding and i knew that he had a vision and with his vision the church had to go into a new direction and it would go into a new direction and i was like man i want to be a part of that i want to be there for that so i go and you know i started i remember the first day my brother-in-law joined the pastor's best friend joined and i wanted to join so bad but I had to have a conversation with my wife. To be fully transparent, it wasn't an easy conversation. But, it, it, you know, we had it. And I ended up going and joining. And we went to a watch night service. And you started to see it felt new. And it wasn't a feeling I had felt in that church, honestly, since like my grandmother had been around. And my grandmother died July 1st, 2001. So even throughout the times I grew up, you know, I was becoming a man there. And, you know, I left in 2008, came back in 2010. It was still different, right? Or 2007, I left. But I I ended up going and, um, you know, like I said, it was just a whole new energy. And part of one of the things that my pastor... His, his wife, the first lady, wanted to do was they were starting to film his services. She was going live on Facebook. Well, me, you know, they knew about my production background. Cause, and I said, all right. So then she asked me to do it. So, of course, me being me, I'm like, okay, I'll hold your phone. This was on Sunday. All right, next Sunday, let's try something different. I'll go live from my Facebook. Okay, we got to build the church Facebook. How do we do that? Well, I need the keys. I get the keys. We go live from the church's Facebook. And then, well, you know what? This don't look good. And then this is going from December into, we're in about February. I figured out how to use my cell phone as a webcam. Using my phone as a webcam, I was able to go live. I said, all right, cool. We got it. Boom. So we go live and... It was okay, you know, the first time, but then the bandwidth was smaller, but then the Rona happened. So it kind of put things in halt the way I really wanted to produce the uh, church services, but we had got the foundation set and I'll talk more about that later. Um, but, you know, like I said, January comes in the beginning, I was told, you know, my travel plans, I would be going to, no, uh, I would be going to Philly again, Orlando and Chicago. And then I was also invited to speak in Pittsburgh. First time I ever been invited to an NABJ region one conference. Now I'm in the Baltimore association of black journalists chapter, I got a chance to speak on a panel 
in I think it was February, January, February. It was great. It was a good time. Shout out to my mentor, Kevin Richardson, who was also on the panel, along uh, with uh, Vanessa Heron, former news reporter with WBAL, and Reagan Farley, who is a superstar um, publicist. And so, you know, being able to be up there was a true honor. Shout out to Nikki Mayo, our chapter president, who made this happen, always believing in me. And our region director, region one director, Tori Parrish was there. And she asked me to speak. And I was like, oh, man, like, this is phenomenal. And I remember even texting Audrey. It was like, hey, you know, you said you wanted to see me get involved and speak at these conferences. Step one is region one. But unfortunately, the Rona happened. So that couldn't happen. But also in January, I got a chance to go to New Orleans again. Um, you know, actually, before we get there, I got to bring this up. <laughs> I got to talk Ravens, right? So the Ravens, remember, they lost to the Tennessee Titans in the playoffs. Damn, I was mad damn, twice. Damn. Of course I'm mad because my team isn't going to the Super Bowl. But also, as Derrick Henry's running, I'm seeing money go down the drain, folks. I wasn't scheduled to work that game, but I was told that all hands was going to be on deck for the AFC Championship game. And I was like, oh, okay, well, shoot, I can go work the AFC Championship game. Man, this is going to be great, you know. Forget that. I mean, obviously, the money is going to be great, but to be there for the opportunity for the first time in hit franchise history – they have an opportunity to win the Super Bowl. I mean, win the conference championship at home. You know, the first time they won it was in Oakland, and the second time was in New England. Home field advantage, and they blew it. Derrick Henry, man, just ruined my night. Now we can talk about New Orleans. Oh, boy, New Orleans, man. What a, what a week. Um... So, you know, Marin and I traveling again. We go there for this is Society of Thoracic Surgeons. And that Friday night, we went to the Pelicans game. And like I said, Marin's just like one of the greatest managers ever. I said, you know, I brought up, hey, you want Pelicans in town? You want to go to the game? All right, sure. You know, we went to the uh, Hawks game in Atlanta. So we go to the game, and, you know, so there was a Friday game, and there was a Sunday game. Sunday, I knew, to start at 4.30, I think, or 6.30, and I knew our last session was at 4.30, so I knew that was going to be too tight. Friday was more open. I was like, all right, we'll go to the game on Friday. It's Zion Williams' second home game. And, of course, he put on a show. And, for you know, Zion Williamson is their star, the next big thing in the NBA. And we, uh, it was cool, you know, being there, being able to see he had a mega block that game. The next day, we went to the conference, you know, did our work. And then uh, my friend Amber Rodriguez, my uh, best friend in professional wrestling, she was in town. And she was in a town nearby. I don't know the name of it. But she told me, she said, hey, you know, I'll be in town. You should come to the show. Like, all right, cool. So 
I said, well, let me just see. Hey, anybody can get us comp tickets? <laughs> She's like, cool. Boom, she got us ringside seats. Now, <laughs> yeah, I'll just leave it there. She got us ringside seats. So we get there, and it's great, of course. Now, I don't went to wrestling with Vanessa. Now, it's Marin's turn. Now, if you know one thing, since I've been working there, when Marin found out I was heavy into wrestling, she would always make fun of me. Oh, that stuff is fake, and yada, yada, yada. So now it's her first show, and she sees it. And she's like, what in the heck is this? And we, you know, we had a ball just sitting back, being at the show. And then afterwards, we got dinner with Amber. And that was great, you know, catching up. Of course, her and I haven't seen each other in months. Well, years, actually, since 2015. So we're catching up, catching up on all the wrestling drama, etc. The next day, it was like, all right, cool. You know, we figure, you know, it's just going to be a normal Sunday, right? Go to the conference, go get something to eat, figure out the rest of the evening. Well, around 2.30 Central Time, we're filming a doctor. And as I'm filming him, I leave my phone on the couch nearby. And I'm... As I'm shooting, I feel my watch vibrate. All right, cool. You know, somebody's trying to get in contact with me, whatever. I'll get it later. So, as I put the camera down to transfer the footage, and I'm copying the footage from the camera to the, com- the memory card to the computer, I pick up my phone. And I see a group chat. Corey Keith Glenn. It's a screenshot from TMZ. Screenshot says, Kobe Bryant dies in a helicopter crash. And I was like, no fucking way. No fucking way. No fucking way. So Marin looks at me. Says, what's wrong? I show her my phone. So, oh, that's fake. So it's like everything just stopped. And there was a man sitting there. He looked up. He said, "What happened?" And I told him. He said, "Oh man." He said, "I would thought you lost your footage." That split second, I was like, in my head, I'd rather it had been my footage. The doctor was right there. I could have re-recorded him. It would have been an awkward conversation, but it wouldn't have been Kobe Bryant dying. And, man, the mentality was, why did he get this confirmed? I got a mamba mentality and got to do the work. So I did the work. I edited the videos, got it done, and then we had another session. And so while we in the session, I'm listening to our speaker. And once he's finished, I'm going through my phone. I'm just trying to find confirmations. Just hoping it's a hoax, praying it's a hoax. But then you're thinking, TMZ been right about stuff, right? Sure enough, it wasn't. It was the hardest thing. And I remember just wanting to hear from my wife and kids. 
and you know nobody was texting or calling and my wife does this thing where she can put her phone down for hours but it was weird man so we walking back i remember walking to go get food and she texted me are you okay i'm like no <laughs> because if anybody knows me you know kobe Bryant's my favorite basketball of all player of all time I used to always go back and forth. I didn't appreciate guys like Allen Iverson, Tracy McGrady, Vince Carter, because these were people the fans were trying to say were better than Kobe, and I wasn't trying to hear it. Even when it almost happened with LeBron, the difference was I was able to appreciate LeBron for what he did outside of the court and what he did for Cleveland, his hometown. And then, obviously, when LeBron went to the Lakers. The crazy thing about all this, man, was that night before when we was at the wrestling show i remember getting the alert and i almost like said to Marin, hey lebron pasco you're like she don't like sports <laughs> and she was like oh okay so it was just like uh. but for that to happen and when i tell you i went and cried like a baby in my hotel room sure enough i tried to hold back but i couldn't that night was the WWE's Royal Rumble, the second, arguably second, third biggest pay-per-view of the year. And I was watching it, but I was numb. You know, we had eight, you know, but I was numb and ended up enjoying, you know, doing a post show. Shout out to my boy D. Demars, who, you know, went to wrestling with me uh, at that Labor Day show. We, you know, he helped me get through it. Because it was, woo, that was a tough one. Um, and then the next week was the Super Bowl. And, you know, the whole time, the Super Bowl, it was all about Kobe. How was Kobe? How was, what was, what was your impact? How did he help you, you know? And that was, it was weird. But also during the Super Bowl, that day... I watched it, but instead of having a normal Super Bowl party, instead of attending the Super Bowl party, I had an edit party. My good friend, Blake Thomas, we're working on a documentary about his career and journey in professional wrestling. And it's in post-production. It's actually almost finished. All the rough cuts are done. But we spent a great deal of time, the whole game, pretty much editing that. And it was cool to see a black man win the Super Bowl second time in the past eight years. So that's that. February, we had debut a new series at Johns Hopkins Medicine, um, Hopkins Med Live. And this was an, an opportunity for us to have the much needed conversations in a live setting, TV style, even though it was broadcasted online via Periscope. But for me, this was huge because I was tasked with creating the promotional videos as well as doing the graphics, the lower thirds for the videos. Now we have a standard set that the institution uses but for this, I wanted it to look different. And with the blessings of my managers, they allowed me to carry that out. And I was really excited. We was 
unfortunately, the Rona happened, so we couldn't have all the episodes. I really do hope we can have this series going. But on that day, was also special for me personally, as I was a finalist for the Achievers Award, awarded by the Johns Hopkins Medicine Office of Diversity and Inclusion. And for this, I definitely have to give a special shout out to Marin and Vanessa Wasta, two people I mentioned earlier, and quite frankly, a lot when it comes to my career at Johns Hopkins. They nominated me. Now, what you have to understand is, when it comes to this job, one of the reasons I love it, right? You have to understand, I'm in a position, in a place where I'm really out of my strengths. I'm not a scientist. I don't understand a lot of science lingo. I've learned a lot, you know, when it comes to medical writing and medical terminology. But I'm no expert. But my strength has always been my social media promotional work. And for them to nominate me for an Achievers Award meant the world. And it was the same day as the Hopkins Med Live event. Now, y'all know me, I like to work. So I kept saying, okay, I appreciate the award. I appreciate the opportunity. The ceremony starts at, I think the ceremony started around 12. Our, we was going live at one. And it was just like, we had to do run throughs. So I was like, no, I wanna work. We've been waiting for this event. I want to work. They told me, no, <laughs> you go accept your award. And it wasn't that I wasn't grateful because I was, but I also knew we had a team job to do where the award was about me. And I'm always a team player. But God allowed it to work out where they did the award ceremony. They gave us the awards first and then they did everything else. And I went to um, Dr. Golden, who was one of the uh, heads of that department. And well, she is the uh, president of Office um, of Diversity and Inclusion. And she understood. And she understood that we had the event. So I was able to get my award, took some pictures. And I was like, all right, you know, we got that. I appreciated it. And it's one of the most proud things I have. You know, I have one at Hopkins, two social media awards and two achievement awards because I also got a community award a few years ago at a Christmas party. So to say that this has been a blessing, a job that honestly, folks, was only supposed to be two months. I came in. March and my last day was supposed to be June 19th, 2016. And Audrey, Dr. Wong, she said, Hey, would you like to stay? And I said, Yeah. And for that, she's allowed me to continue 
to utilize my production experience. And even though she's moved on, I've been blessed to be able to still use my production experience in the field of medicine. But speaking of production, my uncle, Troy Felder, the um, music director for the group Deontay and New Direction, finally released their album this year. I had the honor of designing the cover for the album uh, and as far as taking a photo, making their logo. I did their logo a few years ago. And then making the CD cover design. And, and that was like, wow. I actually have it framed on my wall. You know, like, you know, because something you just, you know, I've been in music and quartet for years. There's never something I thought I would get an opportunity to do. So that was pretty cool. You know, um, oh, I forgot. You know, I started this podcast in December of 2019 and then with the idea of sharing my network with the world and even before you know i've had you if you're listening if this is your first time listening thank you especially for sticking with me this long but if not you know you've heard some of the superstar guests i had but you know it was a great opportunity for helping him promote it by bringing on deontay the lead singer and, you know, with Quartet, man, as noted, I've been playing gospel quartet for 18 years. 18, no, excuse me, 14 years. 2004. Now, I'm tripping. 16 years. <laughs> 2004. August 2004. My mother said to my manager, Eddie Williams, Hey, Mr. Eddie, my son would like to play drums for you. He said, come on. And I was sitting there, and I was a little hesitant because she had said something that February, and I didn't jump on the opportunity. So she said it again, and I was like, uh, okay. So I went, went to the, um, you know, went to the rehearsal. And every year, you know, we would, you know, sing, Every first Sunday in March, second Sunday in March will be our anniversary. The 14th anniversary. The 14th anniversary was hell. I almost quit. We brought in a lead guitar player who's a straight up jerk. A bass guitar player. Clearly, you guys can tell I don't care about what I say a lot of times. Because if I say it on the air, I'll say it to them in person. But a bass guitar player, too. He was a jerk. He was, you know, a family member of one of them. And I didn't really appreciate the way he, his attitude. Now, I understand that we may not have the most structure. may not be the best at everything. But it's also where you talk to people. Because at the end of the day, we're not getting rich off of this, right? Well, he decides to, you know, you need to be doing this. You need to be doing that. Whole nine. So I was you like shut the irritated. Up, you shut the up. So you the 15th anniversary is cool, but now we get into the 16th the anniversary. And we're trying to put it together, me and my sister Janelle. And every, all we're doing is getting a bunch of 
pushback. No, don't do this. Don't do that. And I'm sitting there. Now, mind you, I just produced New Directions, album cover, photo shoot, full-fledged photo shoot. They got great flyers. I'm seeing all this online. A lot of people talking about how good their stuff looks. Meanwhile, my own group, (laughs) not really doing much. And I'm sitting there like, you know what? It's time. It's time to close this bad boy. To the point, so much I was, you know, I didn't want to say nothing because I didn't want to put a damper on the anniversary. I understand when players say they don't want to say it's like they're going to retire. I didn't want to make it about me. Also, didn't want to, you know, I was, my plan was, okay, we'll have an anniversary. I'll write a letter and I'll explain to, I'll go to my pops, Eddie Williams, that's what I call him, pops. I'll go to him right before and tell him not right before but i'll go to him on a separate occasion and say hey i'm done this is it i'm done playing thank you we still family but i'm just done playing drums for the group so that whole day everything that could be irritating was irritating we was told we could get into church at 2 30 the pastor where we was having an anniversary at, he said no you can't come until later so that's setting things back because now you know it takes about an hour to set up equipment then there's one group that shows up we didn't know they were on the group and i'm like wait how how in the world are they on the group that doesn't make any sense i mean on the anniversary that doesn't make any sense so they're there and i'm like i'm now i'm laughing Cause I said, you know what? It's cool. Cause after today, this is it. And you, you, you know, when you have it in your mind, you start looking at things deeply. You start looking at everybody. You start looking at the process. You slow things down. You know, you ever think about the last, your last day on a job, how you take a slower walk. You, you might look at the water cooler hard. That's what I was doing. We get there, um, you know, we get dressed. And I remember talking to my uncle. I said, this is it, my Uncle Troy. So this is it. After today, I am done. I'm finished. Because, you know, let me take you back to two years ago. Remember, I said we had the issue. I had the issue. And so I listened to a lot of wrestling shows. I watched a lot of wrestling in my life. So I decided, for my wrestling fans out there, I decided I was going to be Shawn Michaels of 95 in his match with Diesel. Where Shawn Michaels went out there. They had a good, a decent match. But Shawn did everything he could to blow up Diesel. And for those who do not know, blow up means get him out of breath to make him look bad. So I decided that, okay, these bammers want to act like this. They want to talk to me any kind of way. Let's see if they can keep up. Because I'm going to play and I'm going to run all over the drum set. I'm not going to go too fast because that's going to mess up the singing. But I'm going to, you know, when you're in a certain rhythm and a certain drive, you're expecting one thing. So when they, just when they think it's going to be here, I'm going to go another direction. I said I was going to outperform them and I was going to steal the show. 
And that's nothing I've never done. I don't have that type of attitude. I never had that type of character. But that's what it pushed me to. And I said, Lord, if I mess up, I understand I did this on my own. Thankfully, he didn't let me mess up. So we move here. And then guess who's the MC? The same guy. Because my dad's back playing the guitar now for us. But the same guy who was related that I couldn't stand. I'm not going to name his name because he doesn't deserve that. But then we move forward. It's time to sing. And I don't, Eddie Williams, Pops, decides to sing a song that we rehearsed one time. And I didn't really get a chance to really practice it. And then I can't catch the time. The singer's messing up. And I'm sitting there looking at her. And then the other guy, he's trying to, like, show me how to play drums from afar. So then my uncle, who was standing next to me, he, like, kind of, like, counted in my ear to help me get the tune. So now I'm embarrassed because I'm, like, I'm 33 years old. My uncle's 44. But those days where he had to show me are over. Like, no. You know, obviously he's a better drummer than me. He's a, you know, world-renowned drummer. But still, like, I don't know. It's making me look bad. So, yeah, it was a little ego-crushing. But I was disappointed. And I sat there and I said, I don't believe this. So then we finished the last song. And I, in the middle of the drive, and my father got mad at me for this. I looked at my nephew. I said, come here. Because I already had in my head, I said, Sunday, I'm passing the torch to Isaac. Saturday, I'm passing the torch to Isaac. So I told him, come up here. He did. And I gave him the sticks. I said, this is yours now. You want it? It's yours. And I walked off, said, that's it. I was done, retired, finished. Not so fast. Hey, Williams calls everybody up. He said he's going to step to the side, and he's handling the the group over to my brother, Maurice. Uh Uh-oh, wait a minute. In the car earlier, I just told Troy, borrowing a drastic change, I am done. Well, there was that drastic change. And that's what it was. Well, you know, so here's the crazy part, though. The Rona hit. The next week, the social distancing, physical distancing guidelines will start to come in play. And we haven't had a rehearsal or met uh, since. So I don't know. You know what I mean? I haven't spoken with anybody about this. You know, I don't even know what the direction of the group is. As the person who runs all the Facebook, well, the Facebook account, I didn't change nothing. I didn't change it to say Maurice Williams and the Family Connection. Still says Eddie Williams and Family Connection. But I was definitely looking, you know, I was disappointed because for the longest time I was like, we're going to do something. I want to make an album. I want to make an album. I had even designed an album cover. But it never happened. Will it ever? I don't know. I've been contemplating retiring from the drums completely. But I still get that itch. Because I am young. Like I said, my uncle's older than me. Granted, drumming is his passion. The way producing is my passion. So it's a complete difference. But I'm like, I'm not too old. I could still play. I mean, but my drum set is still set up. 
So we'll see. But you know, the next day was me and my wife's wedding anniversary. After that, the group's anniversary. So yeah, we got married March eighth, two thousand fourteen, and then March ninth was the group's tenth anniversary. That's why that happened like that. But yeah, so we went out, ended up going, just hanging out that day. I ended up buying a capture card for church. Uh, we went to, I forgot, some breakfast spot down. Blue Moon. That was the first time going to Blue Moon. It was great. You know, we just really got a chance just to spend the day together. Six years reflecting on a lot. It hasn't been easy. It's never easy. You know, it's been, but you, you push through to say the least that's all i'll talk about as far as that concern but there's this thing called the coronavirus oh the coronavirus so i heard of the coronavirus the end of january that weekend when kobe passed i had heard about it that was like the first time you know i I found out about it and i was actually thinking okay this would be like you know some of the other things where We'll be on the lookout for it. They'll find a cure for it. Boom, we'll be good. I did not see this coming. It forced us to work from home, which has been different. I would hope I used to long for the, you know, I used to love the days where I was like, you know, I ain't got going to offices. I'm going to work from home. And, you know, I would just sit home and do my work because I don't have a meeting to go to. And I remember it felt like from... September to December Everybody was working from home at least once a week And I would do it every now and again Not so much But I was like man Now okay now I get to work from home But I'm fortunate because I know a lot of people can't And I've been, you know, I've been praying for those people During this time With the coronavirus It's been a blessing now I've been able to connect with a lot of people and reconnect with a lot of people i've been able to do a lot of interviews for the wrestling realm and also you know really connect do a lot of interviews for this podcast breaking through glass ceilings we saw wrestlemania in an empty arena a two-night special so because of that there was of course no wrestlemania party as much as I wanted to have one, it wasn't the right time. But, you know, the WrestleMania party for me was with my kids. My uncle, uh, Troy, New Direction, they had a virtual concert, which I got a chance to produce. And it was phenomenal. You know, the best project I've ever done, I have to say. And I did it by myself. Three cameras. It was I used four cameras to shoot, but I ended up only using three cameras being able to capture the angles didn't take me as long to edit as i thought i would you know we're talking about an hour-long concert just about and you know shout out to troy and his vision for everything and you know also this past december the series i created and introduced to johns hopkins in case you missed it won an award um well yeah we was recognized by the double amc and i don't know the acronyms off the top of my head but being recognized for that was just a blessing indeed you know you talk about a tear i shedding moment 
that day we found out we were recording our end of year best uh in case you missed it where we talked about 10 different researchers like you know all the top research and everybody had a spot and i was really happy that i was able to produce something where every one of my co-workers could take part in and as we finished as we finished the last story i checked my email and it said congratulations you know you've been you know we was recognized and i'm like, wow because that was the goal when we created i remember when we introduced it to audrey she said like, okay this looks great i love it this that number and we'll send it to double amc for an award and i'm like oh okay that also made me a two-time award-winning producer the first time i won an award was 2017 when we took the hopkins menus from one level to the next so to be able to win two awards in my career it at johns hopkins has definitely been great <laughs> it's it's on my resume and it's on my twitter bio at brian h waters i've also read some books during this time uh shout out to my friend adrian lawrence staying in the game the playbook for beating workplace sexual harassment this is exactly what you think it is uh it's a book on what to do if you're faced with these situations and i was wow you know because you may think you know something about sexual harassment but there's so much you got to learn it is so much and you know so adrian and i worked at espn not together our paths didn't cross but she became the first on-air talent to sue the company so make sure you check that out i'm not gonna give away too much um, in the process of reading my professor from Morgan State, Alyssa Richardson, Dr. Alyssa Richardson, let me put some respect on her name. She wrote a book called Bearing Witness While Black. Make sure that's the right title. Yeah, I just had to make sure it was the right title. Bearing Witness While Black. So I got a chance, I'm reading that, and it talks about how you having your phone and capturing all of these things that's going on you think about the police brutalities and what wouldn't have been caught if there wasn't cell phones around you know and that takes me into you know the next topic the racial pandemic george floyd memorial day weekend i mean just um total disgrace what the officers did to him what the officer did to him and i'm a fan of stephen jackson so i listened to his podcast him and matt barnes so when i found out about this i was like oh man you know because it wasn't like i you know stephen jackson wasn't somebody i always paid attention to and because i was following him i remember reading i said really jackson posted a video he's like, oh so this we dealing with and you know it's never abnormal for them to speak out against racial injustices but to see how close it hit home for him and it was just sad man you know to see everything play out but i feel like this is different we saw the protest now i didn't go protest my wife did and i had the conversation with my children i had to explain to them why she went protested in the midst of the coronavirus i got a chance to see 
um, you know, I got a chance to really sit there with and watch a lot of the things and really have these conversations. I've had these conversations with people. And I will say I've had a lot of white friends, um, Asian friends, Hispanic friends reach out to me just to check and see how I'm doing. And obviously fellow black friends, fellow black ladies reach out and say, hey, I just want to check on you. I want to know how you feeling. And, you know, that made me feel good. But it's not, you know, we're not okay. We're not going to be okay, honestly, until they arrest the cops that killed Breonna Taylor. And they arrest and the convicted cops that killed George Floyd. We want to see him go to jail. Bottom line. He needed to do at least 10 years, at least more than that. But, you know, you just hope that things are different. Throughout this time, I've been blessed to link up with my friends, known as the Fab Five, Ashley Baker, Renee Washington, Kelsey Nicole Nelson, and Brandon Williams. We've been able to really, you know, we bonded last year during NABJ we got really close as we were leading up to NABJ you know we just kind of decided we would be the crew because Ashley Renee and Kelsey were rooming together me and Brandon were you know just we've been boys so we got a chance to do like, alright we're going to make sure you know we're going to hang tight throughout the conference you know of course we do our own thing but for the most part it's going to be us and I've said to them Man, the first half of 2020 has been, ugh. How about we do a show? Because I was going to do a halftime show. It was going to be sort of like this. But I was like, you know. But, and they all agreed. And it was great. You know, we got a lot of great feedback. A lot of people want us to come back. You know, they want us to do a show. You know, make it a special monthly. So, keep up. You know, we definitely going to do something around i'm looking at the date yeah so this is gonna be a quick turn <laughs> but yeah we'll definitely do something as we get ready to get into the nba playoffs um so i'm really looking forward to that we got the chance to talk sexual harassment in journalism there was a speaking out movement it happened in the wrestling business first where a lot of wrestlers spoke out on things that was happening to them and it was tough because you're seeing women who they just want to wrestle they want to they love the business but you have these pigs in the locker room that talk to them any kind of way that look at them any kind of way and make them feel like they have to do things in order to keep their career going we even did a podcast addressing sexual harassment in the wrestling business we also address racism you know um shout out to my close friends glenn thomas who's on there also another podcaster somebody I always have these conversations with uh blake thomas was also on there um shout out to my wrestling friends ariella nix amber who i spoke of earlier jonte keith uh snoop aka Cotal brazil if you watch major league wrestling so um we had these conversations to talk about this the racism, the wrestling. Oh, also Chrissy Vervira, you know, because these things must be addressed. You have to address it in any business. And then we saw it happen in journalism. Um, I'll go ahead and say it. BSO. 
Robert Latall, a couple people who work for him went out there and they spoke up against him. And, you know, I'm not going to say we was, me and Rob was friends, but we definitely crossed paths at NABJ. But it was definitely disappointing to hear that. You know, you're supposed to be their manager, but yet you're out there telling a girl, oh, well, you, you got to uh, show me your boobs if you mess up. What kind of mess is that? That's not cool. And I'm just happy that these ladies are speaking out. We saw with the Washington football team, the organization had a lot of creeps in there and cheerleaders have spoken or speaking out. So I'm glad that a lot of that stuff is coming to the light. You know, back in my single days, I was flirtatious. Absolutely. But I was never one to make a woman feel like she had to do something with me or I I would take it from her because no that's not me I have no right and it's just disgusting (laughs) no doubt about it it's really disgusting um two things you know before I close out I hope that a lot of people have had an opportunity to do is have a getaway I went to Virginia for a week me and my wife have a timeshare down there we got a chance to take our kids and just to get away be somewhere else they've been cooped up in the house yeah they've gone to their grandparents house but they we was able to get them out and about and our timeshare has been really solid as far as the cleaning you know you got to wear your mask and then we also you know we we went to the beach we kept our distance didn't really want to go to be honest with you i'm not a beach guy you know, they are, but I'm not. But <laughs> they got a chance to play on the playground. Their cousins was there. So it was one big party for them. The following year, I mean, following two weeks later or three weeks later, we went up to another division within the timeshare. And we were still working uh, up in Jersey. Uh, went outside Atlantic City. So we was able to take them to the beach and take them to a small little theme park up there which I was really happy just to see their faces. You know, when you're a parent, one of the things you want to see is your kids happy at the end of the day. And I was really blessed and grateful that I was able to do that. So, ladies and gentlemen, that is (laughs) year 33. I really enjoy doing this. It's kind of been therapy and therapeutic, honestly. I really appreciate you out there listening. I hope that, you know, you are staying safe. I'm praying for everybody. I do know some people who have had the coronavirus, unfortunately. I, you know, I know some people who survived it. I know some people who've lost loved ones to it. Please take it seriously. Uh, I look forward. And I thank God every day, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, for the year 33. Um you know, I called it my magic, I mean, my Kareem year. And I do feel like I scored a lot of points. I look at things that's happening. We was able to drop uh, Wrestling Realm episodes, me and my brother, the real Dwayne Allen, as we, you know, created this brand almost 10 years ago. And I was happy we was able to drop some episodes. Uh, I won't be able to celebrate my birthday like I would want to, you know. Not going to be having friends over, not going to have... Uh, a cookout or anything or 
we all go to a restaurant, but we're going to be safe. And what I might do, I might do like a Zoom party. Shout out to my boy, David Shealy. He's been on the podcast. He won uh, Tennessee AP Sportscaster of the Year, and he had a big Zoom party to celebrate. So that was fun. So I might do something. Uh, I'm very excited about sports returning. Go Lakers. As I look for them to win the NBA championship, the Orioles are back. They're a decent team. They're, no, they're not on paper. They're probably not the best team. They're not the best team. But I do see the guys playing hard. So I'm very happy to see that. But I'm not going to lie. I know some people are super excited sports is back. It's still the coronavirus going on. So I'm happy that the NBA has taken every protocol to keep things safe i do like that and the WNBA, the same thing but baseball man i think they need to shut it down i don't think we need to be thinking about football that's where i am with that i know some people are feeling different but no me we don't if you can't make it safe you don't need to make it happen at all i get closer to my 34th birthday literally seven days beforehand I found out that I was selected to be a mentor for the virtual National Association of Black Journalists and National Association of Hispanic Journalists Conference. Now, this conference this year was supposed to be in D.C. We was going to have the opportunity to meet again, as we did last year in Miami. Everybody was going to have the opportunity to come together. The last time it was in D.C., I didn't go to the full conference, but me, my brothers, the real Dwayne Allen, Hugh Scott, packed up in the van, drove down there that Friday night after we was all finished working. And we got a chance to see a lot of people. For me, it was an opportunity. I was fresh off of ESPN. I had been gone from the company for a whole year so this was my chance and seeing a lot of my brothers and sisters for the first time in a year and i was looking forward to that this year now granted since then i've gone to the conference twice once in new orleans once in miami so i've seen a lot of those people but the conference is always a family reunion I got to give a huge shout out to my big brother michael Lau. you guys remember he was on the podcast earlier i call him your mentor's favorite mentor. Michael is extremely passionate about mentoring and he's taught me how to really mentor the next generation. And he kept pushing me and he pushed my name to be on this virtual, be one of the virtual mentors this year. So I am really excited about that really excited to be able to get to know one of the next future journalists and be able to share some of my expertise and that's the thing i love about this podcast because a lot of my mentees listen to it and they are able to get a variety of voices now some people listen to every episode one person I have to give a shout out to because when I tell you a big supporter 
always sharing the show, always listening, and that's Justice Hawkins. Justice is a fellow Morgan State. I believe he's a graduate. He's getting ready to graduate. Nonetheless, he's an HBCU scholar, and he always puts on for break it down. Excuse me, break it through the glass ceilings, and I really appreciate that. You know, I'm able to let the world know with the show, hey, this is who I'm connected to. You should get connected with them also. I've had my friend Ashley, who was a fitness person, who's also we work together at Hopkins. I've had my friend Heather, who's an artist. And obviously, I've had so many journalists on here. You know, David Shealy and Brianna Dawkins, who have gone viral. I've had Taylor Shaw, who was in journalism and now teaching and doing digital media. Um, I've had somebody such as Tramone Lucas, who is just like me from Baltimore, but he works behind the scenes at one of the biggest news stations here. And he's putting on for the community behind the scenes. So when you see how their coverage is, you may not understand why they do certain things. But then you may see, oh, wait a minute, they're treating us equally. They're not beating us down. Well, we got to have people behind the scenes. And I mean, you know, I've had, I've been blessed to have over 30 guests on here and there's more to come i'm really excited about the direction this show is going i love podcasting i love talking and you know even with break it down with brian h the idea came because i was sitting there and i was consuming all these podcasts and i said i want to talk wrestling i knew Dwayne and myself we couldn't link up the way we used to because we have responsibilities now but it's easier for me you know wrestling go off i see everybody in my house sleep i could jump on the microphone and talk just talk about what i just saw so that's the reason why i created that and one thing i gotta say about the realness is always sending his blessings he's like yeah man i think you should do it you know and just we pretty much we work together because we do what we're gonna do and we get out of each other's way. It's like okay, isolation. I'ma stay out the way, he gonna run to the basket, vice versa. You know, and I have, you know, even somebody such as my big brother Carlos, who always pushed me. Always and when Carlos and I went to the same high school, he was there 12th grade, we graduated, I was there ninth grade, so our paths never crossed in high school, but it's crossed on social media, and he's somebody who's always a phone call away. He's an, uh, an author. He's been on the podcast. So I'm really excited about this direction, folks. Thank you for tuning in. I have to give a special thank you to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for allowing me to do this. I thank God the Father for creating me and putting this in my mind to do this and for allowing me to see 34 years. I have people I went to school with that didn't see 34. So I'm really grateful and I'm really looking forward to it. Gotta give a huge thank you to my little cousin, Hypno Beats, Mike. 
he makes the beats. I say, Mike, I want this song. Or I want something like this. I give to him the vibe I want. He said, don't worry about it. I got you. And it's fire. He's made beats for me before. And he said, I don't like it no more. I don't know. But he, he obviously, this is what he does. And there's been times if I need to do a shoot, and, or if I, when I was playing drums, I needed him to shoot, run the camera at 13 years old. He knew how to frame a shot. So I'm really excited and grateful for the blessings. He's blessed me with the audio for this show, for Break It Down with Brian H. And so much, even Fox Sports Audio. So ladies and gentlemen, that will do it as I wrap things up. Make sure you get ready. Coming up on the podcast, I have Chanel Starlin, my college buddy. We went to Morgan State together. She's now at ESPN, but she's also doing a lot of women empowerment. Her, it's, it's, I believe it's called Her Sister's Keeper. She's coming up. You'll hear that, hear that episode. You'll hear my interview with Quincy Young. Quincy and I worked at ESPN together. I started a month after he did. Quincy always did things his way. That's why you always respected him. He left ESPN, a comfort zone, to go to Bleacher Report right before it was a website base, before it really took off on social media. And then people said, don't do it. What are you doing? Because he's sure he wants to do this. But he did it, and he was very successful. Now he's with USA Today. I also have coming up Erica Marmalejo. Erica and I also worked together at ESPN. She was really influential in teaching me how to create NBA montages. We played on the softball field together up there. After that, I have my friend Chanapa. Chanapa and I worked in a grind together at Johns Hopkins Medicine. And I've watched her pack up everything from the west coast to come to the east coast so i'm really excited for you guys to hear that conversation a lot of times we vent, especially about systematic racism i also have keisha swafford coming on keisha is somebody i met recently via social media during these trying times as the black journalist family always grows we always let each other know you have accountability partners, somebody who can give you advice, somebody who can help you get better. And rounding up the lineup, you know, I'm very, very booked into September. This is my good friend Patricia Barnes. Patricia and I used to work at Johns Hopkins together way back in the day. Both of us was in nutrition. She would later, we was, you know, they'll call it for what it is. Two people who were in nutrition knew that that wasn't our final stop. We had career goals. I left. She would leave. She would come back, though. But she went on to become a nurse. And now she has a blog also inspiring women. So I'm very excited for you all to hear these episodes coming up, folks. Thank you for everything. Thank you for the support. Tell a friend. I know I said a lot of things on here. I know I said some things that some people not like. But that was year 33. And now I get ready for year 34. I'm calling it my Shaq year. My year. I want to have a Shaq like 2000. You remember that? The year 2000, Shaq was on a mission. He was 
the MVP should have been unanimous, but where there was a person hating, um, the Lakers would go ahead and win the. Oh, he was also All Star Game MVP, splitting it with Tim Duncan. But he said, told Duncan, "I'm taking this trophy home because you got a Finals trophy." Well, Shaq would later on win the Finals MVP and win the championship as him and Kobe would win their first out of three together. So, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Share it with your friends. Tell them to tune in and let them know. This is the place where they want the inspiration. They want to hear the stories, but they will also hear the uncomfortable conversations that need to be comfortable. Take care, everybody.